Let me ask you this question. There's certain people that you know that kind of exude certain qualities. They're like maybe irresistible qualities. Like when you think of, and you can put that picture with different people's faces maybe, when you think of, um, you know, a fun evening, you think of who? I don't know, don't, don't yell it out loud. But when you think of, uh, maybe, you know, maybe when you think of wisdom, somebody comes to mind. When you think of encouragement, somebody else comes to mind. When you think of humility, maybe you know someone who really exudes that. And so what happens is, often you'll, you'll come to know these people and you're like, they have this irresistible wisdom or they have this irresistible encouragement. Whenever I talk to them, I sense humility. Or whenever I'm with them, there's always a sense of fun. And there's this idea that when their stories get written one day, this quality about them will likely come to the top of their legacy, Right? This qual- whether it's wisdom or humility or encouragement or something, it will, will likely come to the, become the core of their legacy. They will become known for that. Well, I want to shift your attention, and I want us to think about the early church. Last week, we started a series talking about how there was a faith and um, an understanding in the early church that was just so beautiful and incredible. I want you to think about the early church, and it's not hard to consider some irresistible qualities that the early church had courage, uh, love, generosity, passion, sacrifice. But one of the qualities that rises to the top of this is faith. One of the, the qualities that rises to the top of what marked and what identified and what the early church was known for is faith. And there's this unique book in the New Testament. It's not a gospel. It's not a letter. It's not apocalyptic like Revelation. It's kind of like story, history, telling the stories of what took place. And it's called the book of Acts. The Acts of the early church, or sometimes called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And this unique book tells us the story of the first several decades of how the early church started and came to being. We, we start to meet in the book of Acts the first people who, to follow Jesus after the resurrection takes place. The first people to follow Jesus after the apostles. The first encounter to Jesus in a spiritual way, not, per, not in your face person, because Jesus walked the earth and people met Jesus face to face. But now these first Christ, these first Christ followers, they did not see Jesus face to face. They came to put their faith in him after he resurrected from the grave and ascended into heaven. These were the first non-Jewish people to, to get plugged into God's beautiful plan that we see kind of just, just you know, um, lined through the scriptures to get connected to God's plan for the world. The first non-Jews to come to discover who God was in this personal way. And so last week, we started this series called Irresistible, and we looked at um, just the the irresistibleness of Jesus. And when people encounter Jesus, it often, it required a response. And that, the New Testament tells us that the response to Jesus often was, people followed him. And it took faith to follow Jesus. It took a step of faith to begin trusting Jesus. And when people followed Jesus, not only did it take a step to follow, as people followed, their faith grew. Something beautiful started to happen in them. And when we read through Acts, we start to see this attractive, compelling, dynamic, irresistible faith. We see themes of it through this, through this book. Sometimes someone is called like Stephen or Barnabas. They were full of faith. Sometimes the church was called people of faith. 
Sometimes, the, actually, the message of the gospel was referred to the message of faith, or they believed in the faith. And often, when people did things or followed Jesus or obeyed Christ, they were called an, it was called an act of faith. And so we see this theme of faith just stretched through the book of Acts. And what I want to do this morning is I want to kind of, just like last week we used the Gospels and primarily Mark as a canvas to kind of just see the irresistibleness of Jesus. I want to take just two chapters in Acts. It's Acts 3 and 4 and use that as a canvas because this is where Luke, who writes both the Gospel of Luke and, and this book of Acts, begins to describe this faith that is established in the church that they are established in, that they start to experience, and that they start to express. And so Acts chapter 3, we come into this story where we meet um, to the apostles, Peter and John, and uh, this is post-resurrection, post-ascension, post the coming of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, where the church is filled with the Holy Spirit, and Peter uh, preaches his first sermon in Acts chapter 2, and we see people come to faith and follow Jesus, And then in Acts chapter 3 and 4, something really cool happens. Luke paints this picture over these two chapters, and this core event takes place. So Peter and John, they are going to the temple as they would, as any other Jew would do. They go to the temple, and it was a normal thing for them. And they, at the temple, it was just a routine thing for them to go and pray there and spend time there. And so as a Jew, even a disciple of Jesus, this was, this was something that was just a routine for them. Now, around the temple, there was gates, and there was this one gate called Beautiful, and the story tells us that there's a man there who's lame, can't, he cannot walk. And so people bring him to the front of this gate before people enter into the temple courts, and they bring him there daily. I don't know if it's his friends or his family or others. We, we're not sure who brings him there, but people bring him there daily, and he spends his days in front of this gate, and he is basically begging people for help, for food or money or help in some way. And it's interesting because Luke, as he starts this off, paints this as a pretty consistent, ordinary, normal thing. Peter and John are Jews. They go to the temple regularly and daily. Somebody brings this lame person who can't walk to this gate to be there to beg. So it's consistent, normal, ordinary scene. And for Peter and John, it was a normal practice. But today was very different, or that day was very different, because Peter and John were different. Peter and John were not the same Peter and John who went to the temple six months earlier. Peter and John were not the same Peter and John who just grew up in their religious system, Judaism. Something was different about Peter and John, because at this point now, Jesus was resurrected. And at this point, the Holy Spirit has filled the first followers of Jesus in the upper room. And Peter already experienced the power of the Holy Spirit, equipping him and empowering him to preach in front of hundreds of people who Jesus is in very strong, convicting, bold ways. So Peter has already experienced what it means to live into the power of the Holy Spirit. And he's boldly calling people to repent. And Peter and John are considered people of faith. Here in, in, chapter, four to, in chapter, uh, chapter 3, verse 4 to 6, the, as, as they come to, to, to confront this man, they're just doing their normal walk into the temple. They see this person who can't walk, and now they stop. That day they see this man, and maybe they see him differently, maybe they're thinking differently, but they stop, and they look at the man, and they command his attention. And then they say something to him that is pretty extraordinary, because this is what they say to him. They look straight at him. They say, look at us, and then here. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ 
of Nazareth walk. If you grew up in church, you might hear a little kid song playing in your head, you know, like, anyways, in the name of, I won't do that for you. Um, so so here, here's, without hesitation, they see this man. This, this was a normal routine for them to walk through this. This was a normal practice for them. It was probably normal to see this person or others like him. But that day, without hesitation, they've got no money for him. They've got nothing really to give him. But they stop, they look at him, and they just tell him, get up in Jesus' name. And they grab him by the arms, and they pull him, and this man stands up, and he starts jumping because now he can walk. He couldn't walk, and now he can walk. And it says, in a similar way that how people responded to Jesus in the Gospels, people stood amazed at what happened. They looked at what just took place. And possibly the people that were standing around saw this man there often. And maybe sometimes they even saw Peter and John walking through there often. But this day, something extraordinary happened. In faith, they asked, they told this man to get up and walk, and he walked, and he's jumping around. And it tells us, Luke tells us that people start running to, to, to Peter and John. They start clinging to them. They become like rock stars at the temple gate because this thing just happened. They've just gone up a level in popularity and you know, fame in their town. And as people are looking at this, they are wondering, like, how did this happen? What took place? Do these guys have special powers? What happened in this, in this moment? They're looking for an explanation. And in verse 12 and 13, Peter responds to them and says, like, why are you so surprised? Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? Right? Well, why, what are you looking at us for this? And then he says, the God of Abraham... Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant, Jesus. The way Peter answers is important because he's speaking to Jews. And he's speaking to people who would have worshipped the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but also speaking to people who would have rejected Jesus the Messiah. And he's like, here, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, he's glorified his servant, Jesus. And he's starting to clue in and helping them understand who did this. Who did this? And he points to something new that's taking place. Just like Jesus' teaching was new for people to hear, Peter and John are pointing to something new that's happening. Jesus has done this. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has glorified his servant Jesus. And what you're seeing today is part of what God is doing. Now, let me just stop for a second because I asked this question. Why did they even ask that lame man to walk? Like, They've seen him before, or others like him. They've walked through that gate before. They've gone through the temple before. Why on that day did they ask this person to get up and walk? Like, what gives them the idea that, that this would be possible? What gives them the confidence to actually tell him to get up? What, what makes them believe that he actually could get up? Like, what, what was going through their minds when they bent over and took his hands and pulled them up? Like, what made them think that, like, he wouldn't fall back down again? Or that they wouldn't be totally embarrassed? What, 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 what was different for them? And as you read through the book of Acts, it was faith. They had faith that this was possible. They had faith that God could work in that moment. In their, excla in their explanation of how this happened to everyone... It's faith. Now, we ask what kind of faith, what source of faith, 
And, and in verse 16, we, we get the sense of, of really what happened here and where their faith in is what it's all about. And verse 16 says this, as they're explaining, it's by faith in the name of Jesus. This man whom you see and know was made strong, this layman whom you see and know is made strong, it's Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. So here in this moment, you got to understand that as, as they're explaining this, this is not just faith like belief or positivity or the law of attraction or I believe that when I walk off this stage, I'm going to keep walking and not fall. Like, like this super positive, who believes that, that's, that that can happen? And I'm just like, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. It's not that kind of faith. It's not that kind of like belief in myself, belief in, in me kind of like, you know, like overthrowing, you know, the powers of gravity. It's faith in the name of Jesus by faith that comes through Jesus. Now, the backstory of this is that Peter and John have seen this before. They've seen Jesus heal people. Peter and John were sent by Jesus to go into towns and villages to preach the gospel, to baptize, even to heal people. Jesus told them they would do greater things than he did. So they have a backstory. They have something they've seen. They have something they've experienced. But let me ask you this question. How many times have you seen something before? So you've seen it, and somebody's told you to go do it, but you never did it because you didn't think that it was possible or something that you could ever be a part of. Hasn't that happened? That you've, been, you've seen something before, and you've even been told, go, go and do it. But you never do it because you don't think it's possible and you don't think that you'd ever be part of that. But here, these two disciples, there's something in them that leads them to believe that this was possible. And the key was faith. Not faith in themselves, not faith in pure possibility, not faith in a cause for lame people, you know, not, not faith in like, they, it's not that they were called, we're going to go to every nook and cranny of our neighborhood and look for all the people who can't walk. It wasn't that that was their faith. Their faith wasn't in that. Peter is super, super clear about their faith. Their faith was in the name of Jesus, not in themselves. In the name of Jesus. And something else is taking place. They say that they have found faith through Jesus. In other words, now they have faith. So their faith is in Jesus, but their faith is growing through Jesus. Jesus gave them faith that through Christ, their faith is growing. And so often, you know, when people are looking for faith or scrambling for faith, often we try and make them believe more or, or believe in themselves more or figure out ways to conjure up more faith. And here we see this, this clarity from Peter. Their faith wasn't in something else. It was in Jesus. But this beautiful transition happens as well, that their faith is growing through Jesus. Jesus is actually giving them faith. And I think in this moment, this first story in Acts that gives us a glimpse and partial explanation of what faith is, Luke wants us to know what started to shape these early Christians. What started to shape these early Christ followers? What, what was the core ingredient of their life and community and mission? What was the, this powerful, identifiable difference in them? Because a shift takes place when someone puts their trust in Christ, when someone follows Jesus, when someone surrenders to Christ, and when someone starts to feel and, and sense what God is doing in them. Jesus gives us faith to act in faith. 
And this faith, as we read through the book of Acts and see through church history, becomes irresistible. It becomes something so beautiful and attractive and real. And and it's amazing what happens in this story because this one miraculous moment that Peter attributes to their faith in Jesus and the faith coming through Jesus, this miraculous moment becomes the catalyst for what happens next. Because one step of faith leads them to more opportunities to express their faith, right? This one step of faith will lead, and we're gonna see this in the story, to more opportunities to express their faith. Sometimes we don't see this until we actually do it, right? There's, there's been seasons in your life, I bet you, that you can look back and say, this one step that I, that I made, that I, I trusted God in, now when I look back, I see how it's connected to some of the other steps that took place later. And, you know, I see that in, in our own life. I see that in the life of our church. When, we, when, when a few of us said, we're going to step out in faith and start this new church with, you know, five people, including a two-year-old, and, and, and no money. I didn't know. I didn't know at the time. But, but as, I, as I start from that moment on 15 years and I look back, I realize that wasn't the only step of faith. That was one step of faith. And then along the way, there was other steps of faith where we had to pivot or change or take a leap or sacrifice or do something. And we realized, oh my gosh, that one step of faith, it wasn't just that one step of faith. There was other steps of faith that would come. Even up until the last six months, this last year, and you know, moving into a space like this or moving to higher staff or trying to, to grow in certain ways. Or, or, or you know, when I think about our, our, our step of faith and even doing something like church at home where we stop like, like public gatherings for three, four weeks, some churches say, Are you, you're crazy. Everybody's going to leave. No one's going to come back. Uh, you, know, you just got to keep going through the motions and you know, giving's going to go down and whatever, and I look back like, yeah, that was a step of faith. It's always a step of faith. And years later, God continues to lead us to act in faith. And it made me think of it this way, and I put it on the screen. One step of faith is never the last. One step of faith is never the last. Now, I'm not saying that you get saved over and over again, you know, or you start your relationship with Jesus from the beginning all the time. But what I am saying is that one step of faith is never the last step of faith, Right? That first step always leads to more opportunities to express our faith. And Peter and John, their act of faith creates this opportunity for multiple expressions of what I'm calling irresistible faith. And here's what we see. And and I just want to maybe describe it in a few ways from chapter 4. And and, and we'll call them signs of irresistible faith. And the first sign, we see it in in verse 13. Verse 13 says this, and it's an interesting description of them. You can go to the next... um, they, they became imitators, right? Look at this. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, this is people looking on now, ordinary men, unschooled, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. And it makes me realize, as I step back and look at that, I realize, oh, one uh, way we can describe irresistible faith is that the early Christ followers were imitators of Jesus, what do you, they were imitators. What do you think it means when, when they're saying, we recognize that these people have been with Jesus? They're looking at them and saying, these guys are doing things that we heard that Jesus did. These guys are doing things that Jesus did. These guys are doing things that Jesus taught them. These guys are living in ways that Jesus led them to live. And so as people look at them, they stand back and say, these unschooled, ordinary people we recognize they have been with Jesus. Another version will say they've been companions to Jesus. 
And you might say, well, maybe that's just, they're just labeling them like they're kind of persecuting them or negativity or, or it sounds like persecution or something like that, but it's more than that. Their actions became tangible evidences that they were with Jesus. This is Peter, Peter and John. Their, their actions became evidence that they were with Jesus, that they spent time with Jesus, and that they were imitating Jesus. The irresistible faith looks like people who are doing what Jesus did, living like he invites us to live, follow him where he sends us to go. When we are people of faith, we imitate Christ. And we see it in the life of the church, and we see it even today. People of faith are imitators of Jesus. They model their life after Jesus. And, and I don't want to just focus on the miraculous because this story is about a miracle. It's all of Jesus' life. It's who he is and what he's about and what he teaches and what he guides us towards. Last week we talked about how if we really trust the authority of Jesus, we would say, okay, if you say it, Jesus, I'm going to live it. If you lead this way, I'm going to go because I trust your authority. I've quoted Dallas Willard on this many times. Jesus is the smartest guy in the universe. And if he is, well, I'm going to follow. Irresistible faith looks like people who are doing what Jesus did and living the way he invites us to. But there's another thing that we see of how people of faith live this out. And I would call them not imitators, but proclaimers. They're proclaimers. There's a verse in, in verse 20, and, and, and verse 20 says this. It's a great verse. We'll start at 18. Then they called them in again. They commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Now, just some background, because I kind of skipped parts of the stories. Peter and John get arrested. After they perform this miracle, they get arrested. And so now there's a confrontation between them and the leaders and others. So the, here's this, this, this in the middle of this story. But Peter and John reply, well, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. That's not what you should probably tell people who are mad at you or just arrested you. How I, but, you know, we'll get to why they're doing that in a second and what gives them that courage. But as for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Here's their response. Their response is like, I know what you want and I know what you expect from me and I know that this is a very bad situation from us, but we cannot help but speak and share and communicate and proclaim what we have seen and heard. Their faith in Jesus and through Jesus overflows into proclamation, overflows into communication, overflows. They could not be silent. Now, I just want to be careful because sometimes we read these stories and we, we think that all of us have to like communicate equally. You know, we look at the, the extrovert or the loud person and we're like, I can't talk like that. Or we look at somebody else and say, no, it's not about how we speak. It's not about being the loudest person in the room. But something beautiful is happening here. They could not be silenced. They could not be silenced. And it doesn't mean that every time you open your mouth, you're going to preach or you're going you're to boldly proclaim something. We need discernment. We need context. We need relationship. We need all that. But too often, we measure our discussions about Jesus among each other and our theological kind of like fun conversations about Jesus among each other as equivalent to speaking about Jesus. But that's not what they're doing here. This is not like a small group Bible study kind of like going through what Jesus said and did and really understanding it or connecting the dots from the old covenant to the new covenant. No, no, this is them out in the world in a really bad situation, actually still speaking, proclaiming who Jesus is. 
So irresistible faith, in some way, to some people, it's about hearing about Jesus because of us. Because of us, we cannot help but share and speak. And here's this other piece that we see in this story. It's, it's a beautiful piece, and we might unpack it a little bit more next week, but it's about, we, they became sharers. You don't read that word too often. I checked in the dictionary. It's officially a noun, but we, we, really, we really never use it. It sounds even weird to say it, but they became sharers. Like that, sharers, sharers. Everyone want to say that with me so I don't feel like the weird person? Sharers. Okay, perfect. That's okay, good. I'm not alone now. Something extraordinary happens to these people of faith as they're knowing Jesus and growing in Jesus and they're putting their faith in Christ and as they follow and trust Jesus, Jesus is growing their faith. Something extraordinary happens. They have faith to share their possessions. They have faith to share their possessions. That's probably one of the hardest steps of faith for many of us to make in our society, especially. In that society, it was already difficult. I mean, but in that society as well, there was an interconnectedness among people and neighborhoods and villages that we don't share today. We all have isolated places of where we live and how we do banking and where I do my bank, where my money goes and how I spend my money and all that kind of stuff, right? But look what happens to these followers of Jesus. Faith in Jesus wasn't only for miracles, wasn't only for words. It didn't just come out and like them stopping someone on the side of the road and, and, and seeing them you know, walk or, or proclaiming. But the rubber meets the road for these followers of Jesus when they start to step out in faith with their income and their checkbooks and their debit cards and their Apple Pay and Google Pay and whatever the, the frequency is when you kind of tap. I, don't, I can't remember the name of the technology. Um, it got that, the rubber met the road. It got that real. It got that real. Their faith in Jesus got that real. See, we can hold our stuff loosely because we have faith in Jesus who holds us firmly. We can hold our stuff loosely because we have a faith in Jesus who holds us firmly. He holds us deeply. So irresistible faith is sacrificial living for the life of others. That's what we see in the early church. That's what we see building in this new community of Christ followers. Sacrificial living for the sake of others. It's beautiful. And I think one of the things that kind of, you, you bring this all together again, what they had, what was going on, what faith was doing with them, and we see it in this section in, cha- in verse 29 to 31. It's a beautiful moment because, as I told you, they're arrested, um, there's confrontation, there's hostility among them, something is going on, they're being threatened now, and here, here's verse 29 to 31, and I, it's, it's one of my favorite sections of the verse. If you go to the next slide. No. Keep going. Sorry. What? Oh, maybe I didn't put it. Uh, okay, let me just like read it from my Bible. That would be great. So, uh, that's why paper Bibles are good to have handy all the time. So, here's, here's verse 29. They're, they're praying right now. As, as we read these words, they're praying right now, and they're in the middle of this conflict. There's hostility against them. Peter and John have been arrested. The, 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 the followers of Christ in the moment are likely nervous, 
And look at their prayer, or listen to their prayer. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Did you hear that? Consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. This is the, they're praying this. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Now back to the description. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Boldly. This this one miracle that takes place at this gate in front of the temple creates a mess for the church. It creates a mess for Peter and John. It creates a mess for these early followers of Jesus. It's, it's just, it just became really difficult. But not only did Peter and John get, get arrested, the church is now living under this threat. And we see this on and off in the book of Acts. The cultures become hostile to them. But here's the key. Faith, see, I want us to grasp this because sometimes even preachers and, and, and themes out of churches will always say that faith leads to success and faith leads to prosperity and faith leads to all these good things. Faith sometimes leads to what feels successful. Faith in Jesus and the works of Jesus sometimes lead to what feels successful, a miracle, a conversion, provision, healing, inner healing, physical healing. Faith sometimes leads to what feels successful but it sometimes leads to what feels like a struggle. And for them, it led to a struggle. They were arrested. I mean, we love painting this amazing, exciting picture of the book of Acts, but anybody who sits in prison doesn't feel great. No one says, success, what a win. They say, struggle, this is hard, right? And so sometimes faith leads us to feel successful, but sometimes it leads us to feel like a struggle. And what do these early followers of Jesus pray for? What do they pray for? Do they pray for protection? No. Do they pray for provision? No. Do they pray? Do they say like, Jesus, get me a get out of prison card, please? Like where's the monopoly set? I want to get out of prison card. Do they pray for that card? No. Do they pray for political favor? Come on, just change the government so we can create everything in our favor and then they'll be okay with us. Do they pray for that? They don't pray for that. They don't pray for protection or provision for political favor. They don't pray to get out of prison. Nope. They pray for boldness. Consider their threats and enable us to respond boldly. Enable us to live boldly. Whatever you think about what happened that day, something is certain. Irresistible faith leads to boldness in our hearts. And it's undeniable. I love how verse 16 in chapter 4 describes this. And I think that one is on the screen. And Listen what, what, how, what, what people are saying in the middle of this situation. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a what? A notable sign, and we cannot deny it. Everyone in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. It seemed that what happened and what was happening and what was going on was undeniable. It was vividly present and tangible. People could see it. Something was going on. And I love the language of this notable sign. Something that happens that would not have happened unless it was 
for our faith in Jesus. Something happened that would not have happened unless Jesus worked. Something happened that would not have happened unless the Holy Spirit was doing something. Something happened that would not have happened unless our faith was in Christ and the name of Christ and Christ was also fueling our faith. Something happened that would not have happened on its own. We could not manufacture it, create it. It's not in our own power. It's not any of that. It's through the power of God as we put faith in Jesus. There was a notable sign. There was a notable sign. There was this notable sign. So let me ask you this question. I'm going to ask the team to come up as we, we wrap up this morning. I want to think about, think about this question for a second. What has become so normal to you in your life what has become so normal to you in your life that you haven't approached it with faith? I think you can read it off the screen. What has become so normal to your life? What has become so normal to you that you haven't approached it with faith? What I mean by that is, I think about this day for Peter and John. I mean, they went to the temple normally. This is their common practice. They saw this lame person or other lame people often. It became normal to them. Their routine walk to the temple, their routine prayers to the temple, their routine scene of, of a need, it became normal to them. And so my question to us is, what has become so normal to us that we have stopped approaching it with faith? Because ultimately our faith should lead us to trust Jesus in every aspect of our lives. Like, I, I don't, please, I don't mean like that now today you just head out and every person you see you're going to start like picking them up and and like hey if god leads you to pray for someone go for it pray for them god can do amazing things but what i what i want us to get from this in this moment is our faith should lead us to trust jesus in any aspect of our lives Sometimes we're stuck in a broken, unresolved relationship and we fail to invite the lordship of Christ into that moment. Sometimes do we have the faith to trust Christ's forgiveness and reconciliation in that moment? When we break bread together like we broke last week, do we trust that if there's a conflict with someone that Jesus can break that and, and help resolve it and bring reconciliation? Are we inviting, are we stepping out in faith? Do we have faith that, that God can work in that? Maybe there's some fears that we deal with in our lives. Do we have faith to trust the courage and power of Christ in the middle of that? Right? Are we sometimes stuck in a cycle of unwise decisions? Do we have the faith to follow Christ's wisdom? Do we have the faith to follow Christ's authority? Sometimes we can question if God can even use us in ministry. Do we have the faith to trust that Jesus called us or called you or called me and equipped me to serve his gospel to serve his mission. Sometimes maybe there's a character trait in your life. You you know you probably know that this is not a great character trait, and I'm for sure other people around you know that it's not a great character trait, right? Do you trust Jesus enough to prune that character trait off you? Do you trust Jesus enough to do surgery in your heart and mind and personality to prune that? so you can become even a better, more useful instrument in his hand? Maybe, maybe, maybe you're holding your finances so tight. Do you have faith to trust 
God's provision so it's for you to be free to tithe your income and to be generous to people and to live more generously? Do you have faith? I often, uh, you know, I tell people this little antidote, you know, when they, when they struggle with faith around that, I'm like, do you believe one day Jesus is going to transform your body and you're going to be in his realm and his space in a resurrected body? They said, yes, I believe that. I'm like, so, but you don't trust Jesus to help you live off $900 after you've made a, a thousand. I mean, I think it's crazy. Like Jesus is going to transform my physical body into a resurrected body, but I can't trust him with money. Doesn't it feel, isn't that weird? And that's with all this, all our stuff in life. And may, maybe here's this one that's, that, that touches us in our society because our society is secular and increasingly secular. And especially in our day and age where this idea of even religious um, attire or something that, that is connected to religion. Think about this. Are we, do we neglect to share the message of Jesus to at least some people in our circle? Do we have faith that when we... Do we have faith that, that, that the message of Jesus actually changes lives? Do we believe that when someone comes to faith, their life actually does transform and is changed and grows? Do we believe that? Do we trust that? So my, my heart as we, as we look at all this today is not um, just about one step of faith that Peter and John did that day that kind of catalyst for all these other th beautiful things we saw. But it's, do we have faith to include Jesus into every single aspect of our lives? Because he wants to work there. He wants to work there. I'll paraphrase Andy Stanley. He said, faith is not seen most behind the microphone or a Bible study. Faith is most seen behind the life. Like it's very easy for you to think that I have faith because the microphone's behind my, in front of my mouth. Faith is not seen behind the microphone. Faith is seen behind a life, behind our actions. Peter and John were having a normal day. They were passing by a normal situation, but they were not normal anymore. Peter and John were not normal anymore. They were now people of faith. They were now filled with an irresistible faith that came because of Jesus, and that changed everything. Amen? Let's stand as we... We pray. The team's going to lead us in this, this short chorus. It's really a, a, an invitation for God to give us faith. I don't, want, I don't mean this, that we sing this in a way like we don't have faith and now we need faith, like this kind of transition of faith. If you're a follower of Jesus, as we sing this song, we sing it because we know that sometimes the things in our lives cloud or become obstacles to, to living the faith that Jesus has already given us and that we've already stepped into as we've trusted him, right? But maybe you are here for the first time or maybe you've been exploring with us and you're, you're realizing, I, I want to step into this life of Jesus. So maybe when you sing the words, give me faith, you're saying, oh God, help me in this moment right now to step into what it means to follow Jesus. And then I, here, here's the beautiful thing and Peter described it in this as we trust Jesus, we actually find faith through Jesus as well. It continues to grow in us. God, I pray for all of us here. That's, I'm sure it's happened in my life, God, and it, it happens in our lives where it's become so normal at times 
to not include you in every aspect of our lives. So whatever that might mean, whatever part of our lives that we have not allowed you in, not stepped out in faith for, not trusted that you can work in or change or move things around or stir us up or prune, God, I, right now I pray in the name of Jesus that you renew in us an incredible trust in you for every aspect of our lives. We welcome your work, the work of your Holy Spirit in every single facet of our lives, God. Our relationships, our finances, our careers, our families, our decisions, our characteristics and personalities, God, our fears, every aspect of our lives in the name of Jesus. God, just renew in us the faith that comes as we followed you already we can step out in faith again and again trusting you to work in us. And may that be the case for the story of our church. In your name we pray. Amen.